0: And open your Bibles, please, to Genesis chapter 18. Genesis 18, verse 9. We're in a series on Abraham and Sarah walking by faith. And we're in the middle of a time when Jesus and two angels came to have dinner with Abraham. But again, Genesis 18, verse 9. This is the word of God. They said to him, Where is Sarah, your wife? He said, She's in the tent. The Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now, Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I'm worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you in about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. He said, no, but you did laugh. Let's pray. Father, we're so glad that we have this your word, that the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. So, Father, we pray now for your spirit give us understanding to apply the truths here to the way we live every single day, we pray. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. She would never forget that day. Abraham is uh, outside the door of their tent. He's serving a meal to his three guests, who will turn out to be Jesus and two angels. Sarah stands just inside of the door of the tent, doing what most envious would do in that situation. She's eavesdropping. Uh, You know, she's curious what's going on. And uh, her attention escalates when she hears her name mentioned. What she hears is this, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And when she hears that, she's aware that others uh, might hear her should she make a noise. So she just laughs to herself and thinks, rather realistically, after I'm worn out and my Lord is old. Shall I have pleasure? But then comes the question that puts Sarah's stomach in knots. I'm sure it would any of us in this situation. Jesus asked Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh? Why did Sarah say, Shall I indeed bear a child, nothing am old? Now you notice Abraham does not have an answer. Of course, he does not know Sarah laughed, he did not hear her ask any questions then at some point, Sarah must come outside or stick her head out the tent door. I don't know what. And she does not have an answer either. And so she does what perhaps many of us might do in that situation. She tries to cover up. After all, she did not laugh out loud. Her question was not uh, heard by any human ears. Nobody heard her. So she She lies. She denies that she laughed or said anything. Jesus looked her in her eye and simply said, no, but you did laugh. And that ends one of the most awkward conversations in all of history, as far as I'm concerned. You know, what becomes abundantly clear is that what we're dealing with here uh, is the sovereignty of God. What we're dealing with is how it operates in everyday life. It's not just some far-off doctrine for theologians to discuss. Uh, It daily impacts our lives, and I hope we will see our faith, our trust in God. So so what about the sovereignty of God in this text? Let's, let's, Let's go and see. First, God's sovereignty, we see it in that God knows who you are. They said to him, where's Sarah, your wife? And he said, she's in the tent. Now, first, I want you to note something. Jesus' question there is socially inappropriate, all right? Uh, In that setting, asking about Abraham's wife in that culture, you should never mention her name. You just didn't do that. But that's what God does. And furthermore, he knows her name. In fact, he knows her new name. And that begs the question, how does he know her name? Very simply, as we've seen, the stranger is is Jesus. And Jesus knows everybody. He knows Sarah. Uh, He knows you. God knows everybody. Wrap your arms around that. The world's population is approaching nearly 8 billion people. You can go online and click one of those population clocks, and it just spins round and round and round. Um, and, uh, uh, And God knows each one of us by name. He saw each one of us in the womb. He knew Madison Stevens and Susanna Edenfield before they were born. I mean, what amazing knowledge. He knows the number of of hairs on on each one of our heads. I'm asking about Sarah. We learn why this first visit was the first part of the visit. See, Jesus has come now for Sarah's benefit. He's come to strengthen her faith. He knows Sarah, and he knows her faith needs to be strengthened. She's not ready to have a baby yet because of her faith struggle. So God will strengthen Sarah's faith and Abraham's by saying the sovereign God has a plan. The Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind them. So now the promise has for the first time a specified uh, time frame. God has a specific time in mind for Sarah to give birth uh, to the child of promise. It's going to take place within the next year. And it's then that Moses reminds us of the rather inconvenient truth. Now, Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. Already right, stating the obvious. Sarah's 89 years old. She's never had children. She's no longer physically able to bear children. But this is when we learn something else about God's sovereignty. God has power to carry out his plan. Uh, May I suggest that what happens next then is perfectly natural? Sarah's response, given what Moses just reminded us, is perfectly natural. She laughed to herself, saying, After I'm worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? So why did Sarah laugh? It doesn't take an obstetrician to explain this, folks. I can do it. Sarah's 89 years old. And certainly she'd wanted children, but she had none. Sadly, she'd resigned herself to the fact that nature had won the battle. That her body and Abraham's uh, body as Paul would later write, was as good as dead. All right? There's no way life uh, would or could come now. Sarah knows biology. She simply cannot grasp what does seem impossible, that she's going to have a child. Her 89 years of living experience tell her she cannot have a child. And there's nobody around her to say, oh, you're going to have a baby. Nobody. You just, just have to believe and you'll have it. So Sarah states the obvious, the reality of her age. So just thinking about having a baby, that makes her laugh. But she keeps it to herself. Now, you got to say, who, who among us has not had a time when we laughed at an inappropriate time? And one of the things I learned quickly about Becky and her five sisters when I began to date was they knew how to laugh at the wrong time. And, um, and they could laugh very easily. Seemed always when their dad wasn't laughing. Um, But um, a lot of us respond to stressful situations, uh, unexpected situations, with a nervous laughter. And how many times have have you kept that laughter in? Contained your laugh when you... Because just knew it's not appropriate to laugh out loud at this. Plus, you recall, we saw just a few weeks ago in chapter 17 that Abraham also laughed when God confirmed to him that, that Sarah would be the one to bear the child. Quite frankly, I really do not think Sarah's laughter, per se, is the big issue here. Uh, it's how she's going to respond to God in a moment that's the real issue, bigger deal. The real issue is sovereignty. It is God. It's God's power to carry out God's plan. Clearly, unless God acts with great power... Unless God uses miraculous power, uh, there's no way for Sarah to have a baby. Unless God reverses biology, there's no way for Sarah to have a baby. Sovereign power is required. Sovereign will is required. It's an absolute necessity. So God turns to Abraham. And he reveals to us that the sovereign God knows what we're doing in secret. For said Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, shall indeed bear a child now that I'm old? Okay, Jesus knows Sarah laughed, Abraham does not. So Jesus asked Abraham about it. Notice there's no recorded answer from Abraham here. But the point would be this. We have no secrets before a sovereign God. We're an open book before him. There's nothing we can hide. There's there's no place we can hide. We see David discuss our inability to hide from God in Psalm 139. We see Adam and Eve's inability to hide from God in Genesis 3. We cannot hide anything from God. Not what we do. Not what we say. Not even what we think. All right? God knows our innermost thoughts and desires... Over and over again in the Gospels, we see Jesus knows what his opponents are thinking before they say it. God's knowledge is infinite. God's knowledge is imminent. God's knowledge is intimate. And what God realizes is that Sarah has her doubts. After all, the promise was originally made 25 to 30 years ago. and God sent Ishmael, and she's old, and for Sarah, that sort of settled it. So God reiterates the promise at the appointed time. I will return to you about this time next year and Sarah shall have a son. God takes away any uncertainty with the repetition of the promise here. He knows she needs to hear it twice. See, friends, the sovereign God knows how to challenge our faith. God's question this time is this. Is anything too hard for the Lord? What an informative, challenging question. Well, is it? Is a 90-year-old woman having a baby, is that too hard for the Lord? Now, that's not a question about biology. That's a question about theology. God wants us to wrestle with a theological truth here. And the truth is He can carry out all His perfect will. He can do anything that's consistent with his character. Can he make a rock so big that he cannot move it? Of course not. God would never do anything that limits himself. When angel Gabriel came to, tells Mary that Elizabeth's pregnant her old age and that she, Mary, is going to have a baby without the aid of a man, he tells her, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Jesus actually picks up this point himself. Uh, he's talking to the disciples about how can a rich person be saved. And and, um, and and they're trying to figure that out after what Jesus said. And he says, "What?" Jesus looked at him and said, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Then he remembers encounter with the father whose son was demon possessed. So the disciples could not cast the demon out. And then Jesus arrives and the man says, uh, approaches him. Uh, and he says, if you can do anything... Have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, If you can, all things are possible for the one who believes. And immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe. Help my unbelief. Friends, that's our prayer, isn't it? Help my unbelief. Think about your own life for a moment. At this moment, what's the biggest issue the biggest challenge, the biggest struggle that you face right now. Can God do something about that? Well, yes, He can. Now, to be sure, that does not mean He will do what we want. Instead, He may act in a different way that's better for His long-term purposes. Remember, we've already established He has a plan for each of us. But we can know He will act in our best interest. He's always going to act so that we become more like Jesus Christ. You see, the sovereign God knows how to humble us for our own good. Watch what happens. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, No, no, but you did laugh. What what an uncomfortable moment. Moses is a skilled writer, and, and, and we can feel the tension. Sarah kept this to herself. You know, nobody heard her. Nobody saw her. So when Jesus said, Why'd you laugh? She does what we probably might do she lies, she covers up. It says, Because she's afraid. She's fearful of what God might do to her for laughing. See, we lie when we are afraid to tell the truth. So you got to wonder, is it, is it better to laugh at God's promise or to lie about what goes on inside of us? I suspect Sarah really did think she could fool God here, but of course she cannot. We never can. God always knows our thoughts, our motives, our desires. And so God rebukes Sarah. God humbles her with these words. No, but you did laugh. Sarah has no response. It is an awkward end to the conversation. We're left wondering what's, what's Sarah thinking? What, what's Abraham thinking? What's God thinking? So, may I point out something that God is incredibly gracious right here. God points out her sin and then he drops it. God does not say, You liar! Forget it. No promise for you. You know. But do, do you see it? Do you see the grace? God's promise does not depend on our performance. Not at all. Sarah's left to grapple with the promise, with her failed attempt at deception, and with the power of God. God's promise depends on God, which leads to this observation, God knows how to grow our faith. Uh, We've called this series very deliberately, Abraham and Sarah, walking by faith. To be sure, much of the focus is on Abraham, not Sarah, but she's a key part of the story. She's been beside Abraham every part of the journey. She's been there for the triumphs and the failures. Now, in the awkwardness of this situation, all the eyes are on Sarah And what we see is Sarah walking by faith. In the deafening silence, she begins to to think about God, about their history with God, about God's original promise back in Ur, about the journey to Haran and then to Canaan, about the disaster of their sojourn in Egypt, about all the days in Canaan, about Hagar and Ishmael, about God naming Abraham the father of many nations and naming her princess. She and Abraham have clung to the promises for over 25 years. And what Sarah exhibits here is faith, real faith. It's life-sustaining faith. See, she has a concrete promise from God. And she does not merely have faith in faith as so many have today that you say, you know, you just have to believe. That's all. No, she has faith in a concrete promise. And more precisely, in the God who made the promise. You see, we find the sequel to Sarah's story over in the book of Hebrews. It's the, it's the Hebrew Hall of Fame, Hebrews Hall of Fame uh, Faith Hall of Fame in Hebrews eleven eleven. We read this. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age since she considered him faithful who had promised. Her laughter became faith because she considered God to be faithful. How could he be faithful to this promise? Because of his sovereign power. Friends, I'd like to suggest that our faith will grow, our faith will explode when we come to grips with the sovereignty of God. We do not worship a cheerleader God who hopes everything goes well for us. We do not worship a a celestial Santa Claus who makes everything go well in our lives for our best life now. That's a sick idea. We worship the God who makes all things go well for us to our ultimate good for all eternity. Our faith in the sovereign God who knows us, who knows us intimately and totally, who knows we doubt inappropriately, who knows we're fearful and we should be confident, who knows we sometimes laugh, lie and, and sometimes we laugh when it's not a laughing matter. Our faith's in a sovereign God who has a plan for our lives, and it's a good plan. And that good plan is to make us like Jesus. And He has the power to carry out that good plan. Our faith's not in the God of good intentions. Our faith is in the God who knows that in secret we often fall, that we have more failures than we ever let on. A God who's always at work for our good, he sometimes humbles us for our good. Maybe you say, well, let me get this straight. Sarah's 90. She's going to give birth to a child. You're saying believe the impossible, that nothing's too hard for God. Does that mean if someone needs healing? If relationships are strained, if marriages are falling apart, that the problem is a lack of faith, that I've not just dared to believe the impossible? My answer is no. You go to the Scriptures and you see God's people who have believed and suffered, One of Noah's three sons is cursed by Noah because he was rebellious. David experienced the death of several children, including one in childbirth. Jeremiah found himself in the bottom of a well. Hosea's wife left to become a prostitute and then came back. Josiah, the last good king of Judah and the last best hope for turning the nation around, died on the battlefield at a young age. None of those could be accused of lacking faith, so what's the point? In each of those situations I've just mentioned, Jesus is still seen as the Lord of life. And the glory is given to God because they stayed true to the faith, and God enabled them to deal with a seemingly impossible situation. What we know is this when we ask, Is anything too hard for the Lord? There are two ways the Lord can work, uh, He can change the circumstances. That's not too difficult for him, Sarah's Exhibit A. Or he may work in such a way to give us strength to deal with the circumstances. We're going to see that in the coming weeks. That, friends, is not too hard for me either. He will, he will see us through. So, first, I would ask you again what, what, what in your life seems impossible? What seems hopeless? Now, that you have it there is anything too hard for the Lord? And our response is one of two things. We can explore an issue like Sarah and, and, and laugh. And we would not be laughing alone. There's a whole world that laughs at the notion that there's a God out there that can possibly make any difference in our lives. And so we can laugh or we can cry and continue in our current course. But we can dare to believe the impossible that God will either change the hopeless or impossible circumstances in our lives or He will change us to enable us to deal with those circumstances. In either case, believe God. Believe that Jesus is the Lord of life. To do that brings glory to the Father. So what about us? Do we believe God is sovereign over everything? Is anything too hard for the Lord? How strong is our faith Do we pray about everything? Is our hope truly in God for everything? Do we believe the church of Jesus Christ will be able to carry out the Great Commission? Do we believe there's hope for our country? It's hopelessly divided, it seems, hopelessly angry, hopelessly unforgiving, hopelessly lonely. What about our personal circumstances, our our unfulfilled dreams and expectations? What about our loved ones who do not know Jesus? What about the impact of sickness or disease or old age, COVID, cancer, dementia? Next week, we're going to look again at at hope in a sin-filled, broken world. But let me tell you, we must look with eyes of faith. Believing in the sovereign God who rules over all things for his glory. So I'd ask you very pointedly today, are you walking by faith? Is your trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord? And if not, today we'd love to share with you how you can know Jesus as Savior and Lord. And if we are trusting in Jesus, then are we walking by faith? Are we struggling in some area? If we are, please let somebody know that God may use other people in your life to help you walk by faith. May the reality of God's sovereignty ignite our faith. Friends, behold our God, seated on the throne, and come, let us adore him. Let's pray. Father, what an amazing God you are. We are in all of your sovereign power. The Father, we see in your, your omnipotence, Lord, your omniscience, your omnipresence. That sovereign power we see in your love, Father, and in your grace, mercy. Father, we see your sovereign power in your promise and in your plan. See your sovereign power and your love for Sarah and your grace towards Sarah and in doing the impossible in Sarah's life. So, Father, is anybody here that's not yet met you? Father, they don't have the privilege of knowing you. Father, reveal your love shown to them in Jesus Christ today, we pray. In this death on the cross. Father, if you may hear as a believer that they're struggling, Father, Lord, may may their faith be ignited today when they reflect on who you are. Father, may you strengthen them, Lord. May they reach out to, to one of us who are here to come alongside and encourage them, Father, that you're the God of the possible, that there's nothing that's too hard for the Lord. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.